0: so I'm a little concerned about Brendan. Little, yeah, just a little. I don't know if you guys, have you guys heard about these things called tough mutters? Have you heard about these things? Yeah, oh, well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about it because Brendan is, is one of, there's several people from Bridgewood that are doing this and he's, he's doing this and I mean, my dad used to make fun of me because I, I used to run marathons. He used to say, you know, Mark, they have a bus for that if you're going to go that far. But this, he, this will give you some idea of what, what a Tough mutter's is about. Here's the, one of the signs on the course. There is a good chance you will break your ankle on this obstacle. Sorry. Who, who puts that sign out there? So, so I'm looking through the pictures of this. Look at this, you guys. Look at, look at here, barbed wire, there's something wrong with that. Didn't your mom say don't go, you know, near sharp things? This guy, he looks like the guy from the the Holy Grail, Monty Python. He doesn't have any arms or legs. Did he hit him? What's, what is going on here in this picture? And I'm thinking, this is what Brennan's going to do. Then they have the ring of fire, which is followed by the Arctic plunge. They promised that the water will not be any warmer than 35 degrees. So it's in Hudson. Should we get like a Bridgewood bus and go watch him? Maybe. Maybe. You know, so what does Brendan need to do? What's he need to do if he's going to do this crazy thing? In other words, you know, how... Can we help Brendan train? Okay, because we don't want a train wreck. Well, Shan heard about this. And she said, no way. No way, buddy. You are not just going to go there and mess around. You're not leaving me with two kids. We're going to train together. So let's get busy and, and get training and get you in shape. It's a lot of fun, Brendan. I'm having a lot of fun. (laughs) But think about this. You know, if Brendan's going to train, if he's going to do this, what kinds of things do you usually do when you're going to train for an athletic event? Well, you know, usually you stop eating bad stuff. (laughs) How are we doing, Brendan? Well, yeah. Yeah. Start working out. Now, I know brendan has been working out, so that's good. Working it, work it out's good. And you know, you should probably sleep, but when I thought about this, maybe not. I mean, he's, he's probably not going to sleep, right? Now here's the I'm pulling out all the stops. <laughs> yes, right. So it's not about Brendan today, though. It's about you and I. And we all have a race to run. We do. That's what this chapter section is about in Hebrews. It's about running this race that's marked out for us. Let's take a moment and just read the passage. And then we're going to start thinking about what does it look like for us to run the valuable race that's marked out for us. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Tom talked about that last night, he did a great job. Let us throw off everything that hinders And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Every single Christian is in a race. It's marked out for you. Every single believer has some place to run. It's what it's all about, and I've been reading this book um, called The Kingdom Life. I I highly recommend it. It's uh, Alan Andrews is the general editor, but there's a whole bunch of different uh, contributors, but I want to read you kind of a summation of what these authors are, when they, when they read a passage like this, what they're thinking about. And it happened on an encounter uh, with the author getting on board a plane. And he gets on there, and you know how when you get on a plane, you sit down next to somebody, and you don't really know how it's going to go? Have you had that? You you're just kind of waiting to see. Are they going to talk a lot? Are they not going to talk? Are they going to snore? What are they going to do? And so he sat down next to this young man, and they, they did that kind of a awkward moment. And then the young man said, so what have you been doing in Minneapolis? And uh, he, the author starts thinking, he, he says, well, how do I get into this conversation? Because what we've been trying to figure out is this whole thing about church. And he, so he just says this. He says, well, we've been wondering if there's a problem with the church. And he laughed. He said, I grew up Lutheran in Iowa. I know there's a problem. And then he surprised me, the author says. He says, what did you find out? Now the author's head's reeling because they had spent years pondering, praying, researching, thinking. And this is is what he said to the guy. The problem is that many of us have been taught and believe that we could become a Christian but not a disciple of Jesus. The young man understood immediately. He said, you mean say you believe but don't act like you believe? He almost took my breath away. He really got it. What's the solution, he asked. The author says, if there's anything harder than diagnosis, it's prognosis. He says, I answered, the solution is to rearrange our lives around the practices of Jesus so we will become authentic followers. Let me read it to you again. The solution is to rearrange our lives around the practices of Jesus so we will become authentic followers. In other words, In in this race, the penultimate question, because when you read chapter 11, there's this vast array of people, unusual people. Did you notice, when you read chapter 11, that Rahab is there? Do you know who Rahab is? What was her vocation? Oof, yeah. And in this moment, when the spies come, she responds in faith. She knows God's up to something. She recognizes it. So the grace comes and she responds. What's amazing is that it's one instance of faith and this woman becomes part of the family line when you read in Matthew 1 about Jesus himself. Rahab's name is there. But she's an everyday, ordinary person other than her vocation, which I'm assuming she left at that point in time. Right? Right? But here's the point that I want to make about it, is the penultimate question when you read a passage like this is am I becoming the kind of person God can use in an instant? Am I becoming the kind of person in the moment, when the moment presents itself, that I can actually respond out of faith? John Ortberg says, I am called to become the person God had in mind When he originally designed me. I like that. So ladies and gentlemen, how, if we're all in a race, do you agree with me that we're all in this race? The chapter finishes up, says, they didn't see everything that they thought they'd see. They'll only see it with us. Sometimes I wonder, you know, is Elijah peering over the cloud and going, come on, Spencer, don't dog it. Crank it up. So the question is, how? How? How, how, Lord, will I become the kind of person that can respond to you in an instant? And in this chapter, there's things that we're told not to do, and there's things that we're told to do. Things not to do, things to do. So let's, let's talk a moment about things not to do. Here's what the writer says. He says, let us Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Don't carry extra weight, and and don't mess around with sin. So this first one, this throwing off everything that hinders, it it actually, the whole passage is built on this picture of runners, athletes. It's one of the reasons people argue that Paul wrote the letter, because he's so crazy about sports. He uses those metaphors all the time. And in the flow of the passage, the writer is saying, you need to lose weight. (laughs) It hits home. I mean, believe it or not, five marathons are in this body somewhere. And you know, isn't it true, folks, that it's so easy? You get on the scale and it says, yikes, does that happen to you? Mine says, get off the scale before you break it. Now, it's so easy to put on weight, isn't it? You guys, why is it so easy to put it on? and so hard to take it off. But the writer says, you've got to take off these things that are weighing you down, that you're carrying. And, and there's really two ways I think this happens to us as believers. Two ways that we carry around additional weight. Because he's not talking about, saying he gets to that, but he's talking about, these other things that can slow us down. And one way is 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Paul says, everything is permissible, but not everything is helpful. Think about that. Everything's permissible, but it's not always helpful. When you're training for a race, Brendan, you could have Taste of Scandinavia's big slice of chocolate rum cake. But is it helpful? <laughs> Everything's permissible, but is it helpful? And I think sometimes what happens in our life is that we allow things to come in, and, man, there's lots of choices. You know, I, I, I was talking to a young man about his college experiences last year. He said, my grades weren't what they, uh, are what I hoped they'd be like. And uh, so I said, well, tell me a little bit about what your days would look like. And the guy was spending four to six hours playing video games which is really easy to do. You're in a dorm. Everyone's got these big screen TVs. You get in there and you start gaming. Now, I'm not here to scream at anyone who plays video games, okay? Everything's permissible, but is it helpful? And if we're going to run this race, Paul, or this writer is saying, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 23, we've got to think about, is this helpful? The other thing I think that weighs us down is burdens. I find a lot of Christians that are carrying burdens uh, and, and, and you can, we're, we're set up in the kingdom to be burden bearers in the sense of taking things to prayer. But when your burden is wearing you out, you need to hear Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. And, and sometimes when we're getting ready to run a race, we really have to take a look, and I want to invite you as the message is continuing to just open up your heart and the privacy of your own space to say, Lord, is there anything that I'm doing that it, it's permissible, but it, it's not helpful? It's not helping me to grow. It's not helping me to run. And is there any burdens, Lord, that I'm carrying that are, that are wearing me in the wrong way, and you want to shoulder them with me? That's why we have prayer teams. Go and unload those things. Does that make sense? So you can run your race. And then the, the writer says, "Here's another thing not to do. Watch out for the sin that so easily entangles. It's it's to give into your your favorites. We have these big nasty sins that we mark out, and and then we have other sins that we don't really talk a lot about that." I want you to get your, your head around this that you know sometimes when we hear sin we hear sin like sinners! Someone angry and screaming and ranting and raving. God's not excited about sin. But what the word literally means people is to miss the mark. That's what it means. In other words, if John Ortberg's onto something, is that my call is to become the person that God designed me to be. And if I am spending time doing things that are not moving me towards the the divine design that God has for me, I've missed the mark. And And we have to move away from the place where it's just kind of this naughty thing and where we say to one another, just say no. You know, it's It's not that kind of a thing. It's a thing of realizing that there's more in my life. There's more for me to race. There's more for me to be. And the things that take me off the mark that God has for me, those are the things that the writer is saying, watch out for those. Gossip. Judging. Criticism. Laziness. Overeating. I'm guilty of that one. You know? Is that is that a sin? It's not the sin in the sense of, ooh, you bad Christian. It it misses the mark of what you're designed to be. Can you hear this without shame? You're all kind of like this at me. (laughs) Hear it without shame. God isn't up there with a hammer. He just can't wait till Mark misses the mark so he can just whap me. No, it's like, son, get over here. Here's where the race is. Here's the growth track. And when I get distracted, and we all have favorite sins. I mean, let's talk about this, you guys. We all have them. When the pressure's on, we have them. We either go to one of our excesses like we'll watch TV until we're blue in the face. My wife who works at the library, she says, Mark, some people come in, they'll check out between 16 and 30 movies for a weekend. How can you watch 16 or 30 movies for a weekend? (laughs) Now, I'm I'm not smashing movies. Do you hear this? But there's, you have a race. Here's the deal. Do you know do you know what your favorite sins are? Do you? The places where you slide off, don't, don't hide under shame here. This is what church is for. We just have a conversation. I got my battles too, right? But do you know? Do you know what, what they are, where the enemy tricks you? If Scripture says do everything without complaining or arguing, Ouch. Anyone complain or argue? Guilty. Right? Ah. Oh, don't say anything but what is helpful to build the other, one up, the other person up according to their needs. Ooh. Love is patient. Ouch. So do you know what takes you off track? It's, it's important for you to know. You don't have to tell the congregation. It's important for you to know. We had a conversation last week, Sharon, Brendan, and I. And we have these fairly regularly. What will take you out? Brendan is so good, he always asks us, how are you doing? And then he has good discernment. So you can't lie to him. Oh, I'm fine. I'm Minnesota great. And it goes, Spencer, get out of that cell. And so we do that. Not because we want to embarrass one another, but we know that there are things that could take us off course, right? I hope you have some people that you can have those conversations with because carrying burdens or there's weights or being tripped up by those familiar sins, we, we, we got to so we can run freely. So this is what the author says. Now there's some things that, I, that you need to do and if you do these, they're going to help you actually avoid those first two things that we need to stop as well as train us. So, these are the things he says. He says, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter. Now, I want, to think, I want you to think for a moment about endurance, because this word uh, endurance is to keep going. It's, it's, a, it's a sense of mastery. When you run a marathon and you train for a marathon, You can generally get to 18 to 20 miles, and it's pretty good. And most people get 18 to 20 miles if they train well, they're there. I'll tell you that last 10K, the last six miles, is is nothing but a discipline of going left, right, left, right. And you you just keep going. What's interesting about this word and the fact that it's talking about fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the pioneer and the perfecter of our race, is the word "upomoni" the word for endurance, means literally to stay under, to stay behind. It has a sense of drafting. And we have witnesses, the passage says. We have a great cloud of witnesses that are gone on before us. They've done it. And we have witnesses here that's why we love testimony. When you hear a God story, you're like, yeah! Keep going! Oh, And it charges you up, does it not? So we have these witnesses, but the ultimate witness is Jesus who has pioneered the territory for us. And so the idea here is that with this crowd of witnesses here and here and with Jesus out in front, we learn to draft. We learn to get behind. I used to race bikes and and when you sit in the pocket and you sit in the draft there, it's amazing how with two or three cyclists in front of you, you're, you feel like you're pulled along. This is where grace comes in when it comes to running your race. The, Jesus, the pioneer, is pulling us along. Because what grace really is, people, isn't this abstract substance that falls from heaven like manna. Grace is an encounter with the person of Christ. In the moment where you say, Lord, I really need your grace, and then you go and you do that difficult thing, or you make amends, or you get things right, and that moment when you notice it, and you go, how did it go? And you go, man, I can't believe the grace. What, What you're saying is, I can't believe how much Jesus was there. I drafted off of him. I hope you've experienced that. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You just... Feel like you're pulled along. Which is why we really need to fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, because if we get in his draft, if we encounter his grace, it makes racing so much easier. But we really need to think about this because there's so many squirrels. We saw it last Sunday. It was so funny. Brendan, I think Brendan was first service where he's doing announcements in the plane. Do you remember that? Was that first service? Er, and Brendan's like this. He's ready to go, go down in the bomb shelter. And then sec, was it second service with Tom? First service, too? Yeah, we had two. Tom Stewart, the focus guy. He's up. I, I thought this is, was so unique for Tom. He's looking at his own and he goes, hey, look at those deer. Tom, you're here to preach, not take us on a nature walk. There's so many squirrels, though, isn't there, people? Things that that distract us and pull us, all the tools. It's amazing. Listen, Listen to this. The average office worker is distracted every three minutes. Every three minutes. Those of you in offices are going, amen. It's maybe less than that. But get this. After being disrupted, it will take that same office worker another 23 minutes to regain focus. Isn't that amazing? And so focus is so important because it's so easily lost, we have to become good trainers. We really have to zone in, and you can only really focus on one thing at a time. And so you, you really have to, but as you, as you do this focusing thing, it, it's, it's like how you train your muscle. Your your focus grows. Your attention span grows. Your capacity grows. Like, look at this picture. At first, your eyes go, wow, trying to focus. Concentrate just on Jesus. And notice what happens in your head and in your eyes. Jesus becomes clearer, and the distractions become less. The distortion doesn't have the same pull. Because you're concentrating on Jesus. Now, there's several things if we're going to really do this, if we're going to run a race that, f- that really focuses on Jesus. Number one is we have to find Jesus. We've got to find him if we're going to focus on him, right? Number two, we have to be familiar with how Jesus relates to us because it's unique. The way that Jesus talks to me is different than how he talks to Brendan, than how he talks to Sharon. And then we have to follow, even if it feels off balance. Does this make sense? We've got to find him. We have to be familiar with how he comes to us and gets our attention. And then the whole goal is to follow him. Now, finding him is a lot like a Where's Waldo? Remember these books? And there's all these distractions. And you're asking the question, you know, Jesus, where are you? One of the things that I've really grown to appreciate about sharing is how often... in in different meetings or conversations. She'll she'll be stopping. I can tell she's gone someplace else. And so I'll ask her, what were you doing? She goes, I was asking Jesus, where are you? And we need to regularly pause. Because it's one thing to find Jesus here. It's another in the middle of a marital discussion or a hard situation at work or riding through our deluxe road construction that's happening everywhere. Every road that goes east, west, north, south, they've decided to blow up, right? And in that moment, where's Jesus? Where is he? Look at me once. Do you track him with me? Okay, now, let me ask you a question. Is Jesus with you? Is he? Is he with you? He is. But we've got to be conscious of it. And so we have to become familiar with, how does the Lord come to me? Like Moses with the burning bush. That was his thing. Jacob had a ladder. You know, there's different ways that the Lord comes to us. And we have to be familiar, how does he come to us? How does he talk to you? How does he get your attention? And this is where the manual prayer and soul care and some of the things. If you're struggling, I would really encourage you, Get a soul care appointment because it's it's just a beautiful time to learn better how Jesus comes to you and how you can identify his voice. Does that make sense? Because what Jesus wants, you know, he doesn't want us to stop there. He wants us to learn to follow. Come on. I am the pioneer and perfecter. Just follow me. But what I've found the most is that a lot of Christians, after a while, they're really good at finding Jesus. They're getting pretty good at hearing him. But following him becomes hard. Because what happens is, is you, you go, you want me to jump? You, you, you want me to, what? You, what? That can't be him. Because faith and trust takes us out of our comfort zone. Can I get an Amen. All God's calls are God-sized. Otherwise, Mark could do it, and Mark would get all the credit. But it's it's God. So when you read Hebrews 11, all these God-sized things happen. But you see, the reality of faith looks like this kind of. Look at this perception. Watch that. Did you see how it changed? What in the world is going on? And the call to live by faith, it feels untrustworthy. It's why you need to know the Lord. The Lord hes going to lead you into green pastures, good places. You're all just like, how are they doing that? Try this one. I'm going to put this up, and I want you to say the color of the word, not what the word says. Say the color of the word. Can you feel your brain doing weird stuff? The tendency is we want to say yellow, blue, orange, black, red, green, purple, yellow, red, orange, green, black, like that. But it's supposed to be green, red, blue. And you have to stop and concentrate. Could you feel that in your brain? And that's what faith does. Faith takes us to this place where we're like looking over that cliff and we're going, He can't be serious. Is he serious? So all this is to say, this is, this is why we're, we're starting discipleship training. Brennan picked out this picture. I wonder why. But I, the more we talked about it, the more we loved him. Like, this guy looks pretty cool. That's like Jesus. You know, Jesus is, Mark Spencer's going, ah, 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 ah. And Jesus is just like, we're okay, Mark. Pretty soon he'll get exhausted. He'll stop screaming. But... And I said to the brother and I said, yeah, that's me. Like when I'm on the ocean, I want the little ducky wings things. Like they're going to help me float anyhow, right? But th- this is what it's like. So it's, we're meant to do this in community. We want to get practical. We want to equip you. you know, so if you're in a place where you're saying, yeah, I don't know if I, if I really do know when I'm hearing Jesus. Great. Come Saturday, 9 o'clock. I, Mark, I, I, don't, I don't know what it looks like to be with them through the day. Great. Sharon and Brenda are, are two people that I, I'm really so glad to partner with because they, they've really fostered a deep place with the Lord, and it makes it easier to get to a deep place with others who have a deep place. Doesn't it? So all this is to say is we do these things on a Saturday morning just to help us to figure out how, how do we find Jesus? How do we stay with him? How do we follow him? And we're going to get real practical. We'll have conversation. We'll learn together. We'll have a blast. Because here's the bottom line, people. It says this amazing phrase that Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. I talked about this on Good Fridays. How does he keep going? How does he keep going? And the answer is for the joy He wasn't happy carrying a hundred plus pound beam of rough cut wood on a ripped open back that's missing about a third of its flesh. He's not happy because he hasn't slept or ate or he's deserted or he's alone. You know what he's happy about? He's happy about when I do this, when I climb that hill, when I breathe my last, when I announce that it's finished, when I get up off that tomb, when I roll that stone, when I come out the door, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a church and there's going to be a whole bunch of me. That's what he was pumped about. That's what fed his fire. That was his consuming joy. Can you tell I just get a little bit excited about that? That's the thing. And it all starts when he sees us running our race. When he sees John and Laura saying, look at them pouring into marriages. It's not enough that they've just been blessed in their own marriage. They want to give what they got away to other marriages. And when, when he sees it, he goes, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what Calvary was worth. That's what the long climb up the hill and the it is finished was all about was that. That. When Lisa Marie does the hostess and she's there and she flashes her pretty smile and she welcomes people and she, the people feel safe. They feel like they're attended to. They encounter the kindness of Jesus. When Jesus sees that, he goes, Yes! That's it. That's my girl. Man, I'm tired. But that's it. That's it. Isn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, you have a race. A race. At work, in your neighborhood, here. And when you find him and you follow him, he goes, ah, that's so good. And that's what it's about. So as we go back to prayer and worship, as we get ready to do this offering, begin to open your heart and say, Lord, get me back on track if I'm off track. Lighten my load if I'm burdened. Help me step over familiar sin. And let's get on with the big show because we've got a race to run. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for being the pioneer. I love it when leaders go first. And you did it in such an incredible way. You came and walked 33 years, Lord, the perfect life. Not so you could go, na, 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 na. But so you could say, come on, follow me, and I'll perfect your life. We thank you for that. Lord, we see why we need encouragement. We see why we need community. We see because we can't always find you. Sometimes we falter in our following. Lord, stir us up today. Don't leave us sitting in the bleachers. Get us all on the track. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: I want to encourage you to just sit for a minute in this. Just be still for a moment. Many places where we've all um, missed the mark, and uh, many of us are aware of where we do. And right now, I just as, as you're just sitting there and being still in His presence, I just want to want you to just picture just giving that to Him. Just giving it to Him without shame or guilt. Presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that we can be still right now in this moment. You know that you love us, know that you're here in the midst. happening right now in the spirit Lord we thank you for your your tenderness your relentless tenderness that just goes after us thank you Jesus give us the the courage and the strength to receive it As we uh, close First off I want to invite you to stand And as we close I I want to share a thought with you You heard the phrase You need to find Jesus Right? How many heard that phrase? Let me me tell you what that means Okay, oftentimes we can hear that And go, well he's hiding from me Right? I got to find him He's hiding from me He's not hiding from you we say find him we say notice him notice that he's right there last week wh- what's this? this Is a phone right last week this is exactly my posture i have my phone here and i'm looking for 10 minutes for my phone i go where's my phone i'm looking all over the place and i'm using this hand and my phone that i can't find which is in my hand to try and find my phone i'm moving things i'm trying to find my phone and guess where it was in my hand but I was in such a rush to get where I needed to go that I didn't notice what was with me not just right in front of me but what was already with me now think about that for a second how often we get lost and go in all these different directions and we go, Jesus where are you where are you, where are you and he's right there with you but we can get so overwhelmed and so pushed and pressed that we don't notice what is right there with us. And so if that's you, I just want to pray a blessing over you. I, it's for me too, so this is kind of selfish of me, so I want to pray a blessing over myself too. So if you just get in a posture to receive the blessing this morning, that you would notice him. And every situation that you're in... This, this season of life that you would notice him and that you'd engage him in Jesus' name. So I bless you with eyes to see in Jesus' name, ears to hear in Jesus' name. I bless you with the courage to engage him in Jesus' name and receive him fully in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you that you meet us where we're at, but you love us enough not to leave us there. That you continue to transform us from the inside out. So we pray that for this body in Jesus' name. one of the most awkward and scariest things that we can do is receive a good and perfect gift that we know and think we don't deserve. But guess what? It's given to you anyways. So I bless you in the name of Jesus with the gift to receive all that he has for you. I pray that the Lord would bless your week, that you would go in his light and go in his love, and that you would just sit in his presence. Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.